0: Welcome to an episode of Bands and Botanicals, a unique podcast where a trainer and trainee talk about herbal medicine and fitness.
1: We're your hosts. My name is Danielle Kreese, and I'm a certified personal trainer and owner of DC Fit. And we also have Paula Kirsch, who's an artisanal herbalist and owner of Botanically Curious. So let's go
0: ahead and start the show. Hey, everybody. Hello. Welcome back to another episode of Bands and Botanicals. Coming
1: at you from Southern Oregon.
0: Yeah. So today we are going to be discussing getting into the new year because we're getting toward the end of it here. Can't believe it. Right. (laughs) And we're going to talk tips and tricks for the gym and setting up your workouts, uh, ways to look at herbs differently for your wellness, and then books and podcasts and things that we might recommend you uh, look into if you're interested.
1: Yeah, basically, we just kind of want to set you up for success here as you go into the new year. Um, a lot of these things can be intimidating for people. For example, I know that herbs are intimidating to me. The gym or writing your own workout may be intimidating to Paula. So we just want to give you some tips that you could have in your back pocket so that you can go into it with a little bit more comfort, a little bit more ease. Yeah,
0: yeah. And so first, we just want to mention, you know, as we're getting to the end of the year, we're looking into the new year and what we're going to be doing for topics and guests on the show. We do look at the analytics. So we look at, you know, the age range of our listeners, um, the gender of our listeners. You know, we're predominantly female. And so those numbers really for us means that if we don't have you guys reaching out to us, mentioning what topics you might like to cover, We're just going to look at the analytics and then assume these are things that our listeners might be into based on their age and their gender. Uh, So if there's something you'd like us to mention in the new year, we're going to start doing our episodes every week. Oh, yeah. No pressure. Right. So that's going to be fun. So you can actually, you know, message us. I love when we get people reaching out on Facebook, telling us about the things that they're doing. And questions
1: you may have. Right. We would love to be. This is for you. So if you have those questions, reach out to us. We want to hear them.
0: Yeah. So Instagram, Facebook, we're using Anchor. So if you're on Anchor, you can search bands and botanicals. Leave us a voicemail even. And uh, if you'd like to do that. So uh, we do have, like I mentioned, majority female listenership, younger listenership also. But we do have some men listening, which is great. We just want to say thank you for listening. Keep listening. And the most interesting thing is if there's a particular topic we're talking about or discussing for the day that doesn't necessarily resonate with you, um, it's really important for you to uh, listen up anyway, maybe become an advocate for women's health for the women in your life, which I know that they would appreciate to know like, hey, I was listening to this podcast. They mentioned something about like milk thistle or or whatever it is. Maybe that would help you and your wife, girlfriend, sister, whatever it might be, would probably appreciate that you're staying uh, active within you know their health and caring about them so yeah. just something to consider I think that also kind of falls in line with what you know reflecting
1: on the year and into the next year because I feel like we're in this big collective collective like consciousness shift I guess you could say mm. I mean there are so many different groups of people who need advocacy advocacy for who need allies for and this is another opportunity like Paula was saying if you're a male, and you do have women in your life in whatever capacity they are, this is a chance for you to kind of support them, maybe give them some ideas, be an ally to them. So kind of goes hand in hand with, I think what we're all kind of learning this year is, is to step up and to step into a role for other people.
0: Absolutely. And you can also, you know, check our Patreon bands and botanicals and, Go ahead, and if you'd like, supporting us means supporting our local community. You know, as Danielle said, coming into the new year, thinking about all kinds of things, we still have such devastating effects from the wildfires that happened. All of the money that is uh, donated to our Patreon is going to the local wildlife relief effort or wildfire relief effort there, Mm -hmm. uh, making sure that, you know, our community is taken care of. And it's cheaper than the coffee that you spend each month. We've got tiers on there. It's $3 a month, $6 a month nine dollars a month you get some extra videos Danielle's got a plethora of videos out there for workout you'll get to see we'd love to get some people on there so that way um we can do some live discussions with you guys if you're a Patreon uh supporter that would be really neat to maybe do like a live Facebook discussion with you and some other listeners I think would be really nice um so yeah we're gonna start off with uh goals and some other things but first but first Time to pull a
1: card. My, I think this is one of my favorite parts. Yeah. I just bought myself my first deck of tarot cards, actually.
0: Ooh, nice. I did not know that.
1: I know. I know. Yeah. We'll, we'll hit that up a little later.
0: Right. <laughs> uh, so interestingly enough, today we have selected the morel. And right before the show, Danielle and I were debating when exactly is morel season here. Um, we're thinking it's, you know, early spring uh, I know that the soil is usually quite a bit colder, and uh, morels usually grow around decaying uh, forest pine trees, old stumps, things like that. That's and why fire
1: fire disturbed areas, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Yep. So, oh my God, I'm sure there are going to be a lot of people hunting for morels this year, this season. Oh yeah. Um, and really quick, just to interject, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, Paula, but I had no idea what a morel was. <laughs> before I moved here oh, yeah. because they're that so prolific I. here. Right. So in case you don't know, a morel is an edible mushroom, a, a quite delicious edible mushroom. I could understand why people search so much. I mean, there are people here who literally have, like, secret spots that they go to to harvest their morels. That's how legit it is <laughs> here. So they're mushrooms. And, Paula, you can continue. Sorry.
0: Yeah, uh, they look like... Um, a creepy little brain you know they've got kind of holes in them I know there's actually a phobia out there of small tiny holes I can't remember at the moment what it's called but those mushrooms would probably be terrifying to those people I think that I can't eat mushrooms they creep me out but they have a lot of benefits you know um, morel mushrooms in particular have potassium copper zinc which is really great um, and the regenerative regenerative property we mentioned like Danielle said was because they grow quite often around areas that have been devastated by wildfires um, where there's been a lot of decay and from that that cycle of rebirth regrowth which i think is actually really cool that we picked this because we're looking into the new year Mm -hmm. what are some of the things we're going to be pushing out what are we going to be bringing back in what are some new things we're going to be doing so i'm excited to get started
1: yeah that was a sweet card to pull especially because it's so pertinent to the area uh, that we are living in, right. and and I had no idea that they kind of, you know, I guess in my mind I realized that they grew from disturbed areas and stuff like that, but kind of that idea of regrowth and, and looking at it from that perspective, um, I hadn't I hadn't thought about it in that way yet, so it does, it's very pertinent to kind of what we're discussing today.
0: And the other thing real quick that I remembered, they have a good source of vitamin D, which a lot of people right now are probably in need of, so...
1: Yes, my first year here, I definitely got into that seasonal depression, and I didn't really realize what was going
0: on. Yeah, Miami to the Pacific Northwest is a huge difference.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, even though I, ha- I actually haven't lived in Miami in a long time, but Jamaica is tropical, and Taiwan is actually really tropical, and... And I just, the majority of my life has been spent in the sun. Let's just mm-hmm. say that. Right. So, you know, that vitamin D is really important. Like it hit me without me realizing it. And that was one of the main things that people were suggesting to me. That maybe even the vitamins I was taking, I was still lacking in what I needed.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. All right. All right. So. Goals. What goals.
0: do you got? You know, we're looking into the new year and everybody, the magical, January 1st we're going to be doing some things differently apparently so what are you <laughs> what are you going to be doing this new year
1: okay so I think we've mentioned this but I just wanted to preface in saying that both Paula and I are believers I'm pretty sure I could speak for Paula on this that this new year is not a magical like right. time like your your time for regrowth your time for reset can literally be on December 16th yeah there's nothing telling you that in January 1st, everything in your life has to change. That being said, it is a good a good place to start, especially if you want to, especially if you're getting to the end of the year and you're feeling like there are some things you wanted to achieve. You know, I, with COVID, I mean, I think a lot of people had some ideas about how this year was going to go. Mm. And then their goals either completely had to shift or be put on pause. Right. Um, so, you know, going into this new year, I would say, just like everything else, give yourself some grace, Mm -hmm. take it with a grain of salt, know that wherever you are is where you should be. And maybe you needed that pause so that you could go into it a little more well prepared next year. Right. Whatever goals you do have.
0: As prepared as we can be considering, you know, we never know what's going to happen.
1: That's true. We're still, we're still in the midst of things. So it's true. We never really know. Um, but I don't know, I guess my goals kind of tend to be the same Mm -hmm. every year. Um, And it's usually to have a lot of self-love and acceptance. I mean, I've been on this train of of, or this journey for a very long time with this. And, and, you know, my goals largely remain the same. It's more they just, like, evolve as I evolve. Mm -hmm. Um, So now that, you know, maybe there was a goal I had in the past of, like, not having an eating disorder or something no. i don 't have an eating disorder anymore, but my goals are still shifting now to how can I better fuel my body? how can I better support my body through food? How can I better enjoy food so even though the main concept is the same it 's kind of evolved as i 've grown and as i 've shifted as well so nice um, yeah a lot of a lot of self love a lot of acceptance, a lot of understanding of my worth and Trying to, I don't know, battle battle the shadow side, I guess. But also accept the shadow side. Ah! The balance. Right. This is where I just go back and forth all the time. Trying to be better, but accepting who I am and Ooh, where I am. I've
0: got some herbs for that later on the show. All right.
1: Woo. All right. Paula, are your goals more like, like, I guess... Physical or more, not physical, but tangible, I guess, rather than kind of ideas. Mm.
0: Well, um, I don't like to talk a lot about myself. So when we did our intro and I talked about getting into herbalism, I didn't really mention why, but my family has a horrible health history. Uh, My mom had four different types of cancer before she eventually died of cancer. Oh my God. Um, You know, we've had dementia. We've had, you know, my my mother had early onset dementia. So she was in her (sighs) forties, which was really rough. Um, and so my goals are definitely based around health and wellness. Um, I'm going to be potentially learning a new instrument this year because I hear that it's good for cognitive ability and cognitive health. Uh, so things around just making sure, um, my body's strong enough and my brain is strong enough moving forward. I know, you know, I just kind of, I say I just turned 30, but now I'm 31 and, um, you know, it's never too early and it's definitely never too late to start thinking about your mental health and just, um, prioritizing, your, that, right. Yeah. And a lot of those things. And so that's really my focus. Um, overall wellness. I don't like to take things out. I think we've talked about this, taking things completely out of your diet. Mm-hmm. Um, I might, you know, stay away from as much sugar. That's always something because it's not great for you. It's not benefiting you in any way, uh, even though it tastes awesome. It's not good for your brain either. So that might be something I stay away from this year a little bit more and more as I get older. The body is not as forgiving. I can't believe how easily um, as we age, we just start feeling things a little bit more and more. And so looking at that, looking at my skin health. um, Yeah, because, you know, time is not (laughs) nice to anybody after a while. So those are kind of, you know, more focused on those things.
1: That's, that, those are great goals, though. Um, it's good to have tangible things as well, too. Like, things that maybe you could see, like, like physical progress in, I guess. I, every year I say I'm going to learn how to handstand. Ooh. I have yet to learn how to handstand. It always gets thrown to the wayside. But that's, like, one of those main things. But, you know, I think it's important to say that as you go into the new year also, like, when you reflect on 2020... I keep seeing this meme mm. and it's kind of cheesy, but it's true. 2020 is the year that you thought you would get everything. Instead, it's the year that you realize to appreciate what you do have. Right. Um, and I think that's really pertinent. And I also think that it's important to realize the growth. I'm sure almost all of us have had, and maybe we don't see it. And that's why mm. I just wanted to remind you because with dealing with so many different things this year, that are not even having to do with us necessarily personally, but just like with the country, with the world, with pandemics, with social and um, with social and, just and and needing to try to fight for rights and stuff like that. How have you handled that? Like maybe you maybe you learned to be a little bit more patient. Maybe you learned to incorporate five minutes of meditation because you were in quarantine and you had nothing else to do maybe you learned how to bake bread for the first time i mean all of those things may seem small and they may seem like they're just like Mm -hmm. fanciful things Mm -hmm. but you've developed still those are still like developing skills and and learning how to deal with the uncertainty of our country or the uncertainty of life or the world i mean if you made it through this year that's something you know to be proud of like It's not easy. It's not easy for people, especially with isolation or with losing jobs. So if you're here, if you're listening, say thank you to yourself for a quick minute and realize Mm -hmm. that this year may not have been the growth you expected, but it was growth nonetheless.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's some really staggering numbers out there in terms of suicide, depression, a lot of those things. You know, it's a humbling experience for a lot of people around the entire United States who now have to go to food banks or who don't have jobs Mm -hmm. and some of those things. And so, you know, definitely just give yourself a pat on the back. And even if, you know, we've got some younger listeners and when I was in my early 20s, making the best damn cocktail you can to survive right (laughs) now, you know, being like, I'm going to just become a mixologist for the next year well, there you go. There's your goal. Like, I'm just gonna make some bomb-ass drinks. Hit me up with
1: those recipes because if you can make a really good dirty martini, I am interested. For show. For show. All right. Health and wellness. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I'm glad she brought that up because if if you do enjoy it and not everyone can have drinks, not everyone wants to have drinks Mm -hmm. and that's totally fine, but one of the things I wrote down is my commitment to balance, and sometimes that's part of it. Like right. if you enjoy that cocktail, feeling like you need to completely get rid of it for the rest of your life is going to seem very daunting. Mm-hmm. Um, so as long as you could enjoy it with that balance with moderation and you know it's not negatively affecting your life in any capacity, then yeah, enjoy it to the fullest. Um, I feel like I'm talking a lot, but there's just one more thing that I wanted to say before we actually get started on the podcast. <laughs> And that was something that I now cannot remember. And that's how it goes sometimes when you're in the podcast world.
0: We'll get back to it, I'm yep. sure.
1: Things yeah. come in, things go out, and, uh, and you just keep talking. So moving on, shall we?
0: Yeah. Well, I'm excited. You know, I get the opportunity to work out in a private gym setting, which is nice with Danielle. And so um, she's done some really, really cool things. In her gym, without a lot of equipment, which is nice. And so I'm really interested to hear some of the setups you might have for the gym this year, for people who maybe have a smaller workspace, because um, we're still in Oregon here waiting for the gyms to open back up. Mm -hmm. So people are like, okay, well, I can't do these workouts because I don't have the equipment that I used to have, these machines. You know, how do I do whatever it is that I used to do?
1: I mean, and even if you even if you wanted to get the equipment right now, it's so difficult to find even a set of dumbbells. I went to the store the other day to look for something and they were wiped out of equipment. So this is again, another chance for growth because it's another opportunity to get creative. And I'm really excited to hear what Paula has to say, because as I've mentioned, I'm new to herbal medicine. Mm -hmm. Um, I struggle with my, herbal intuition I guess you could say and trusting myself and using these herbs in the right way and in the right the right amounts the right capacity so sometimes it almost becomes paralyzing to me so Mm. I'm looking forward to hearing how Paula can help us maybe get a little bit more comfortable starting out how we look at these herbs how we think about the herbs differently Mm. um, and just having like a a, you know a, a starter understanding this is kind of like your starter kit.
0: Yeah, for the new year. You've heard us jab a little bit if you've been listening to the show. And we're just kind of telling you bits and pieces. But now it's like, all right, let's get to the basics. We're starting the new year. Um, Get off on the right foot. You know, all of those things.
1: Always good good to come back to the basics. Yeah. Yes. So, the basics. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So, I would say that before I even get started on anything... just because you can doesn't mean you should. Mm. That is my rule for lots of things.
0: But I saw it on Instagram. Can I please do it?
1: Oh, thank you. Thank you for saying that. There's so many things on Instagram, so many crazy moves. And don't get me wrong. If you look at my Instagram when I post my workouts, I love doing that shit. I love it. But I always have to remind myself as a trainee and Mm -hmm. a trainer Mm -hmm. That your basics are your foundation for everything. If you don't have that, then you have nothing. And not just that, you don't need to do the most dynamic move every single workout that you have. Mm -hmm. You know, it's good to just slow it down, to focus on that. So that being said, just because you see it on Instagram, especially if you're just starting out, does not mean that it's something you should just jump right into. Right. Even if you feel like you can achieve the move, You may not be achieving it with the right form. You may not be achieving it with the right engagement. You may be doing things to your body and creating patterns that you don't realize that are then in the end gonna be difficult to override. Mm. So it's best to just start at the foundation. And that being said, your foundational movements. If you are just starting out, I suggest you practice these moves before getting into really anything else. Squats. Deadlifts, push-ups, lunges, planks, hinge movements. And you know what? I'm going to throw in a bridge there too because I often see mistakes there. So if you want to grab a pen and paper, or if you don't, you don't have to either. Maybe you have a good memory, but I don't. (laughs) I'm just going to really, really quickly give brief cueing breakdowns for each of these. Just a couple of tips to keep in mind when you're first starting these moves out for the first time squats Paula I'm gonna put you on the line here Uh-oh. she didn't know this was coming Uh-oh. pop quiz oh, when you're no. performing a squat should you be pushing from your toes or from your heels your heels your heels so you want to sit your weight back into your heels um I was taking a class once and I heard that it, it's good to visualize about 80 percent of your weight being in your heels now do you want your knees to be collapsing in or do you want them to stay in line with your ankles?
0: In line with your ankles, I in,
1: hope. In line with your ankles. But this is a common mistake. People don't realize that they have that uh, collapsing knee. This could be some um, weaknesses in parts of your leg, straight, uh, overriding, uh, being overridden rather by strength in other parts of your leg. So something to stay conscious of. And if they are collapsing and using bands is a really, really great tool Mm-hmm. Paula used some bands today
0: yes. during our
1: workout, and I it was did. actually for a warm up. And I think it was uh, getting a little burny.
0: Yeah, quickly. yeah. Donkey kicks and squats and all kinds of with a tight band.
1: Yeah. All right, deadlifts. Your hinge is so important. All right. Sometimes what I like to do is literally take my hands. I'm physically doing this right now, <laughs> putting them at my hip level, kind of where my hip bones are and cutting myself in half so I create that hinge. This is gonna be important for deadlifts, this is important for rows, for tricep extensions. So your hinge movements and your deadlifts can kind of be put in one in that regard. Paula, pop quiz. Uh-oh. Deadlifts, are you supposed to feel them in your quads or in your hamstrings?
0: In your hamstrings. Yes. (laughs) I had to think for a second which was which.
1: The back of the leg. Yeah. See, I'm infiltrating her mind. That's definitely (laughs) what I say. So you want that tension in your hamstrings. And when you drive up, you want to make sure that you're not hyperextending your lower back. You kind of have a tuck under with your hips where you squeeze your glutes. I'm going to try to go through these, you know, not too quick, but relatively quick.
0: Right,
1: right. Push-ups. I love a push-up. Mm -hmm. Everyone who trains with me, whether it's boot camp or personal or just knows me in life, knows that I love push-ups. Probably too much. (laughs) But especially as women, when you get a push-up, I don't know. You just feel like a badass. Mm -hmm. You just do. Men and women alike. But anyways, my biggest tip is to not force a full push-up if you are not ready for a full Mm push-up. If you have not mastered a push-up when your knees are on the ground... Don't progress yet. And that's okay. That's where this growth, this journey comes into play. Your hips shouldn't sag. You shouldn't be uh, losing your neck and your shoulders. You know, you're not like Uncle Fester in your push-up. Because then you're going into your trap. Right,
0: your ears and your shoulders. Yeah, exactly,
1: exactly. Um, You know, you don't want to lose engagement in your core. Those are all really important things. You think it's a lot of upper body, but it's a lot of core in your push-up. So make sure you master it. Mm-hmm. You know, kneeling, then you could go to incline, and then you could go to the full expression of the move. Mm-hmm. Lunges. Paula, <laughs> do you want your knee to be driving hard over your toes, or do you want it relatively more in line with your ankle?
0: Yeah, definitely in line.
1: Yes, that, that alignment plays true to a lot of what we're doing um, in our work. You wanna act also almost as if you have a puppet string coming from your head. So your chest is really tall. You're not collapsing or rounding your shoulders. And you wanna think of just dropping straight down and then driving back up. Moving on, we got a plank. Do I like planks? Yeah. Yeah, I do. (laughs) So many varieties. And what I love most about a plank is they don't actually target your quote unquote six pack abs. They don't target what you see, but that's a good thing because the, the core muscles that your plank is targeting are actually the ones that are attached to your spine. Mm-hmm. So that's why planks are such a foundational move, I would say, even more than a crunch. Crunches are good for your superficial core muscles, mm-hmm. the ones that you see. That's where your six-pack abs happen, I guess. But a plank gets deep, deep, deep down, so it builds your strength and your foundation for everything else. This is where you, you get a lot of your stability from. So, don't do a full plank, just like that push-up. Don't full, do a full plank if you can't. Paula, when we do planks, do I ask you to do really, really long planks? No. All at one time? Mm-mm. No. Do you remember why? <laughs> Form? Yes. If you're trying to hold a plank, especially if you're first starting, if you're trying to hold a plank for as long as possible, Mm -hmm. do you think your form is gonna last for even that Mm -hmm. one minute? No. So this was one of the best things that I ever heard. I was taking a TRX um, qualification class. So we were learning how to teach TRX classes. Mm -hmm. And she said this about a plank, even though it had nothing to do with the TRX. Let's say you wanna do a plank for a minute. I want you to hit a plank for 8 to 10 seconds, and that is your strongest, best possible plank. I mean, your legs, glutes, core, arms, everything is strong. Drop your knees for two seconds, take a deep breath, and then pop back up for another 8 to 10 seconds. Do that for the minute, rather than doing just a one-minute plank hold. And you'll find that you'll be able to hold, I think, your form a lot stronger. Mm -hmm. It's a mental and physical thing. You know it's only 8 to 10 seconds. So you know you could go really hard. And, And I've tried this with Paula. Have you noticed a difference in your form for when you try to hold extended periods of time versus those short increments that we've done?
0: Yeah, you know, you definitely feel it a lot more where you're supposed to be feeling that engagement. and. The biggest thing, like you said, your hips aren't sagging. Your back isn't compromised. All of those things that are really important because if you're trying to improve and then you injure yourself, what are you doing?
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's the last thing. I mean, that's such like a mental blow when you're trying to improve and you injure yourself. So why even put yourself and set yourself up for that? Yeah,
0: I mean, do the start, stop, start, stop for two minutes, whatever you want mm-hmm. to be, you know, hardcore just make sure you're resetting and getting that form right
1: yeah that's where that's where everything comes down to i could I told Paula this today, I could care less if you do a thousand reps in the forty five seconds I give you. I could care less if you burn a thousand calories if your form isn't there, if your engagement, if your um, integrity isn't there in your movements, then you're just doing yourself a disservice and 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 I, I really strongly do feel that way, but back to what we're talking about. <laughs> So easy to just go off on every topic on these things. (laughs) Talk about that shit for days. We briefly touched on your hinge movement. So all I'm going to say there is, again, you could kind of put your hands at your hips, physically hinge yourself over. This is good for rows, for tricep kickbacks. And the one thing that I want you to stay aware of is that there is a softness in your knees. Mm -hmm. I often see people hinging with their legs locked out. You're going to add unnecessary tension to your joints, potentially leading you into injury or chronic pain. But also, you don't get as much engagement in your muscles. You almost need that slight bend in your knees to help with your hinge. Mm -hmm. Um, And with that being said, I always tell Paula, I always tell all my clients this, actually, you want to be aware of your neck. Mm. So with those movements, imagine you're in a hip hinge row and you're trying to look at yourself in the mirror while you're performing the row. Your neck is cranked up and you're really putting a lot of tension in your cervical spine. You don't wanna do that. That'll, again, you do that enough, it's gonna create a pattern in your body. So always make sure with your hip hinge movements, even with your squats and other movements, that your neck and your spine stay in line. And the last one I'm gonna touch on before I pass the mic over to Paula is your bridge. Um, The reason I wanted to bring this one up is because I see a lot of mistakes in it. People often have their feet really far away from their glutes. Mm. You want to bring your feet so that your heels are close to your glutes. A good kind of gauge, and this may not be exact for everyone, but if you uh, place your hands down at your sides, your fingertips can almost touch the back of your shoe. When your feet are a little bit closer that way, you could get um, max engagement essentially. You could send your hips up higher, you're driving up through your heels, not your toes. And you could engage the hamstrings more as well rather than when your feet are far away. And if you want to give that a try, you could feel that difference. You won't be able to go as high and you won't be able to engage as well. And then, uh, yeah, the last thing would be just be with the bridge is sometimes I feel like you could get some lower back pain. And this is probably because as you come down, you have an arch in your lower back. So when you're going up, you wanna think navel to spine as you drive your hips up, so engaging the core. As you come down, you wanna think your spine being flushed to the ground. So that may require a a small tuck of your hips, which we've talked about a lot, to push your back into the floor. Um, But yeah, just, just a couple of things to keep in mind. Don't progress unless you are confident in your moves. I promise you. You may want to just go, 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 go. You may want to do the next, next best thing, next hardest thing, next weight level. Get there when you've earned getting there. Mm-hmm. That's what I have to say. You have to earn your progressions. Right. That's where you really succeed and that's where you last, um, especially when you're first starting out. So those are my foundational movements for you. <laughs> Paula, yeah. how would you kind of start someone off? Um, with their kind of herbal wellness journey, with their plant journey.
0: Yeah, you know, it's it's the basics where if you're in the gym and something doesn't feel right, you've got to look at your form, you know. And like Danielle said, so if you're listening to our podcast and you got excited about a particular herb and you tried it and then you're like, what in the world? This is not working for me. Or you have a friend who swears by this particular supplement or something else because of the herbs or their tea or whatever it is, and you're just like, no, I'm not feeling it. Um, that's really where you're going to be starting. So we call that herbal energetics. So, mm. and I'll get into kind of what that means. But, you know, when you're starting out, whether you want to be an herbalist or you just want to incorporate herbs, you're looking at, first of all, what herbs are you naturally using in general? You know, a lot of people are starting to learn more and more about herbs now because of all the teas that are coming out and they know, oh, dandelion's really good for this because I drink it in tea. I know that. So, inherently, there's a little bit of information there. Start with those. And I would recommend taking one herb a month and just delving into how does it work uh, for particular parts of the body? You know, uh, how does it work for me in particular? How, which ways can I prepare it? All of those things. Um, it really is. It's not a race, it's slow and steady, you know other different herbs that you might be cooking with, experimenting with those, researching further, just to even make yourself feel a little bit better. We've talked about on the Thanksgiving episode, what am I cooking with that already actually has all of these benefits? You don't feel good about that. Yeah. Sometimes, I mean, again, it's sometimes just
1: like we have such a disconnect to our food and our herbs. We're not mm-hmm. realizing that we're using herbal medicine, even when we're just throwing the basil into our sauce. So, right. I mean, just like Paula said, just like, what are you already using?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so the herbs I'm going to be talking about today um, are just really common. And actually, I believe all of them occur all over the planet. So no matter where you're listening, I think right now we have seven or eight different countries, listeners within those Mm two. So these aren't herbs just for the Pacific Northwest. You should be able to find them where you're at. Um, And obviously with worldwide trade and everything you can, but I mean growing naturally. Um, so, you know, the basis for my herbalism and how I learned how to do it was through energetics. And it really is the best way, uh, anytime you go to an herbalist or even just n- nature paths or something, they're going to kind of look at these things in particular too. So can I ask you a question real quick yeah. about energetics? Uh-huh. Um, I was recently reading up
1: on time because you had told me mm-hmm. about using time mm-hmm. for like, if you're congested mm-hmm. and it said it, 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 it listed energetics as one of the properties. Right. So what, and I'm sorry if if sometimes I need a little bit more um, explanation, but like if I'm reading, okay, it's antiviral, antimicrobial, energetic, and a digestive. Mm -hmm.
0: Like Mm -hmm. what
1: exactly does that mean?
0: Right. So energetics are, um, it looks at cooling, warming, or hot, you Mm -hmm. know uh, drying, moist. So there's kind of four components to it. And then you take those four components and you look at how the herb itself kind of acts on the body. Is it a heating herb? Is it a cooling herb? Um, you know, is it a drying herb, more of a diuretic type of thing? Uh, you look at the energetic qualities of the actual herb itself and how that plays into the body. Um, so for instance, like I said, you know, if there's an herb that didn't really fit with you but your friend swears by it you and I are different in body type I'm really hot and warm all of the time you're a lot cooler Mm -hmm. and so uh certain herbs and certain things like garlic um, cayenne ginger for me I'm a little short-tempered I'm a little more uh so some of those things can uh, exasperate maybe some conditions within my body so um for instance some people might have issues in their gut and they might be more anxious, and then if they're taking an herb, and the energetic properties of those herbs are, you know, hot and drying, or something, then it might be exacerbating something that they have going on, Hmm. so that's why they list the energetics of it, that's why uh, when you go to an herbalist or something, they're gonna sit down, they're gonna talk to you, and say, okay, and then you look at the energetics of the actual condition itself, so you're looking at the energetics within the herb what the herbs doing uh the energetics of your body how your body normally is and then if there's a condition or an imbalance within your body that you're concerned about and that's why it's brought you to potentially research some of these herbs um, is kind of where you get started with some of those so i'm not sure if i answered your question i mean i guess like so when it says energetics
1: is it kind of is it arbitrary in the sense that it's just you're being aware of like its characteristics or if
0: it's feelings, the feelings you feel associated with it? So it's definitely not arbitrary. It's giving you hints as to how it's going to react within your body in particular. Mm. So everybody is different. You know, we talk about some of these herbs on the show and I mentioned things here and there. Um, I try. There's so many different ones. I know you when you went and grabbed some herbs you had some things that I wouldn't necessarily always use all the time because uh, there's some herbs that are more balancing for most people, and then there's some that you really have to do, um, look at your body and see if it's going to work for you. And so the energetics are definitely important. It's not arbitrary, and you want to just key into those things. And sometimes it won't have a huge effect on you, but like I said, if you're a cold person and then – Um, or if it's winter and somebody's depressed and then they're taking a cooling herb, especially because when we'll get into this here in a little bit, there's some herbs that are, you'll see the energetic properties. It says cooling, warming, drying. And you're like, how the heck can it be both? Mm. Well, it's cooling certain aspects. It might be cooling to the brain, which is more calming. It might be warming to the gut. Or And it might be having a drying effect where it might be somewhat of a diuretic as well. You know, certain things like that Mm -hmm. where you look into all of those things. And then so let's look at a condition, right? And some people might be listening to this and saying, um, well, how the heck do I know what the energetics of the condition are? So the best way to look at that if you don't have any... Uh, training in it is to ask yourself, what am I doing that makes the condition feel better? Mm. So if you're taking a hot shower and that relieves the ache pain, then more likely than not, um, you've got some cooling going on or you've got some moistness or something else that um, damp, you know, um, or if you put ice on something, say you've got a knee pain mm-hmm. and you, you're putting ice on it and that relieves the pain that means that it's probably more of a hot, heated, kind of agitated joint pain. And so you would look at herbs that are specifically going to help with that. Hmm. So we can say this helps with joint pain, this does this. And in general, some of those conditions are like hot, cold, you know, and that's in a general sense ways that you can match herbs with conditions. But you really want to look at yourself in that aspect and say, okay, what am I doing that maybe helps this? Um, and then look for herbs in that same energetic property, Mm. if that kind of makes sense.
1: Yeah, it does. Oh God. So much.
0: So (laughs) much. Yeah. So, I mean, like I said, you just look at the, the, um, hot, the cooling, moist, dry Mm -hmm. as the four portions of it. And then you look at, uh, you know, what's going on in your body, what the energetics of the herb are. Now, for us, I'll make it easy for you guys. I have a list of a few, not every single herb known to man, but a few herbs and their energetic properties. And I'm going to be posting that on the Patreon for those that would like to support. They can see some of those. Um, And, you know, anytime we go through a consult or anything else, I always look through those. It's really nice because um, I don't know how often anybody goes to the doctor and you actually spend time with the doctor sitting down saying, what's working for you, what's not. But no. that's more of the, the herbalist piece of it is where you're really getting in tune with your body. And I think it's just good to do that in general. There's a lot of self-care that goes into those types of things. So it seems like with herbalism,
1: you're trying to find more the source rather than just mask a symptom. A right, symptom.
0: right, right. And, you know, I love plantain. That's one of the herbs we're going to be talking about today. Um, but it's, it's a cooling, drying herb. So it's not necessarily going to be good for everyone, but um, for, you know, things that I like. It, it's great. And so it's always just looking, taking what somebody says, and then researching for your specifics. So, I don't know if I should dive into herbs right now, because you had a few things that I was kind of interested in hearing about.
1: We're interested in each other's interests. I
0: know. <laughs> um, so basically, I
1: guess, since we talked about the foundational yeah. movements...
0: We got the, want, we've got the dog over here, guys. We've got our masks on and we've got <laughs> the dog growling so or yeah.
1: gurgling or whatever. He's, so. he's just talking. He wants Paul out of his butt right now. Yeah, butt scratches. <laughs> very needy puppy. Very needy puppy. Um, yeah, so what do you do once you have mastered your foundational movements, essentially? For most people, they quickly want to start adding weight or adding resistance or load, whatever you want to call it. Mm. Now this falls back again to that, um, that same first idea of just because you can, doesn't mean you should. Mm. Sure, you could probably bust out a couple of squats at like 60 pounds. Mm-hmm. Sure, you may be able to like, I don't know, move your arms and use a bit of momentum and then hit a bicep curl with a higher weight. But should you do that? Are you already there? And these are a couple things I want you to think about. A couple questions I want you to ask yourself. Before you increase in your weight or your load, before you even increase in your power or your explosiveness in certain moves, have you mastered where you are right now? Again, have you earned the right to progress? Before you add more weight, can you slow the movement down? Can you do it with an eccentric focus? So that's when you are kind of lengthening um, the muscles without contracting. Okay, so for example, if you're in a squat, your eccentric portion of that squat is going to be as you're resisting the the resisting gravity essentially. Mm-hmm. So when you're dropping down, you may wanna drop down fast because it's a lot easier to drop down fast than to slowly come down with that weight. Mm-hmm. But if you can slow down and maintain your form, you may be ready to move on to a heavier weight, especially if you've been doing something maybe for about four weeks. That's kind of like a, a good number, kind of that four week mark, Reinventory, uh or re-look at yourself see if your feeling is challenged see if your form's still there
0: gosh that reminds me of those drop squats you made me do and (laughs) you always come back to those drop squats i told my husband about this and he's just like oh whatever whatever i was like you don't even know like these are muscles i didn't realize i had i cannot walk like it's it's really interesting to do the same exercise, but in, you know, that different way.
1: Yes. We're definitely going to hit on that kind of, I'm going to, I'm going to become the Bubba Gump of squats for a second, but Bubba we're not Gump. quite there yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, so can you slow it down and still maintain your form? Are you using momentum? So as a coach at orange theory, I saw this a lot, as, you know, this was actually across the board, men and women alike. Especially when you're in an environment where you think you need to go fast and hard. I'm sorry, we're getting talked to by the dog. (laughs)
0: Every time I look away, he starts whining at me. Um, He's like, stop, stop. (laughs) Look back,
1: look back. No, so especially if you're kind of in a competition setting or a group fitness setting, you may feel like you need to go as fast as possible. If you're using momentum to bring that weight up... You're, again, you're doing yourself a disservice. You haven't earned the right to a heavier weight. Can you slow? Can you slow it down? Come here. Sorry. (laughs) We're trying to silently signal to the dog to go into his home. (laughs) Um, Can you perform that weight without using momentum? Yes, there are some moves in which momentum is a part of it. For example, a kettlebell swing. But if you're just doing a bicep curl, are you really engaging that muscle if you're using momentum in order to lift the weight up? I don't think so. Mm. So make sure, the biggest thing all I could say, over and over and over, is that you've earned it. If you've slowed it down, if you haven't used momentum, if you know your form, you check in with your shoulders, you check in with your core, your hips, your knees, your ankles, if all of that's on point, then you can add load, then you could progress to something more dynamic, then you could change up the move a little bit. Mm -hmm. But don't get ahead of yourself just because your ego is telling you to. And, and I don't mean to sound preachy, I kind of sounded weird (laughs) for me to say that. I felt like not in any condescending way, but it's, we do let ourselves, you know, especially when there's people around us that competition, right. that want to like look as strong or as fast or as good, sometimes without even realizing that plays a role in how we perform.
0: Yeah.
1: So, earn it, earn it, mm. people. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um. So, let's see. We've got Tulsi. Unless, yeah, has, I want to know about some herbs. Yeah, I was just as you were talking. I was just thinking about going into the gym in those class settings and uh just feeling it you can feel it in the air when it's like the 6 a.m or 5 a.m class Ooh, and it's like all the no go-getters and it's like you can cut it with a knife it's like whoo competition and like yeah you know, all of that's just thick i
1: know but i could guarantee you that uh, i bet you half of those people were not performing it exactly the way they should and i don't mean that in a bad way you just right. you lose your intention and your mindfulness mm-hmm when you're just trying to beat the person next to you. right? And that person may not even be
0: competing with you. It's all
1: in your head. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Everyone's doing their own thing. Well, (laughs) in terms of competition, everybody's looking at herbs in this way of like, nervines and adaptogens. How can I put the most stress on my body and have it really be more resistant to that? And how can I recover quicker from the things that I'm doing with workouts and everything else? So some of the herbs that we're talking about today are adaptogens, nervines, We've got Tulsi now I mentioned holy basil before. I didn't really dive into it, but Tulsi uh, you know also known as holy basil, is a nervine. So like I mentioned before, um, that means it's it's more of a calming effect you know in terms of uh, supporting neurological health and emotion. It's a, a also a warming herb in the sense of congestion and cold, and so it's cooling your mental state but it's kind of warming up your body. And so some interesting things to think about there. I think I might maybe mention energetics more often now that we've kind of discussed this so that we people just kind of know offhand, Uh, mostly used for anxiety and stress, also fatigue. So adrenal fatigue, things like that. Mm -hmm. When you're, you know, going hard at the gym, working hard, you know, you've got all these other things going on. This is a great one. There's some really good benefits for hair and skin. So Tulsi, um, and I think this is a fantastic smelling herb. I get holy basil and I put it in uh, tea and I just, you know, it's great. I don't have to put any honey in it or anything. It almost has a little bit of a spicy taste to it, which is really nice. And so um, you can use it for tea. I wouldn't recommend doing it every day or like four or five cups a day. You know, Um, it's not like more is going to benefit you more, but it's nice to have in rotation. Uh, And I'm looking into doing actually a tea that will, I'll probably put online to sell for with some of that. So that way it's easier for people if they'd like to try it out. Um, You can use it as an exfoliant, which is really nice. So if you've got the herb, you can almost make it into a paste, put it on your skin. It's really nice for your skin. It can, have exfoliating properties. Um, If you want to boil it and almost do like a rinse for your hair, it's a natural way to combat kind of like dandruff and things like that, doing a hair wash. And also um, helps with joint pain because it's an adaptogen. So it helps the body. And for those who don't know, adaptogens just allow the body to resist stress or work with stress a little bit better mm. so you know we've got stressors that we put on ourselves there's stressors that we can't really control and so that's why adaptogens are really big right now because especially in the workout you know or fitness industry when you're putting more and more and you're competing and you're doing these things you want something that's going to recover you with not as many side effects so um it's a good one to have uh for me we we're talking about skin and hair. I struggle with hyperpigmentation, which is having darker patches of skin. Um, I would have kind of like that Homer Simpson ring around the mouth looking thing if you've ever seen The Simpsons, and Homer Simpson has like this weird dark circle. Um, I had that when I was younger, made me super popular. Uh, and I, so I, hyperpigmentation was a really big thing for me. You can take that, like I said, make the paste, put a mask on, exfoliate, and it also has some detoxing benefits. So when we think about skin health, uh, we also have to look at, you know, not only what we're putting into our body, but what we're putting on our face and then what's around us. So environmental pollutants, Mm -hmm. uh, Mm it'll draw a lot of those. And so that's really nice. So I know my skin is just trashed after, uh, traveling too much. I used to travel quite often for work, getting on those airplanes, doing some of that stuff. It'd be dried out. It'd be, Mm -hmm. ugh. Tulsi's really great. You just, um, and I say Tulsi and holy basil, I'm using it interchangeably cause it's the same thing and just kind of put on a mask, do a scrub, something like that. It's really great. And it's all natural, which is hard for women to find things that are going to actually work for them. that don't have a bunch of chemicals because yeah, your know. skin is like this big giant organ. And so anything you put on your skin is being absorbed into your body put into your bloodstream you want to make sure that it doesn't have a bunch of stuff in it Mm -hmm. um the other thing is it can actually help with uh hair thinning or hair loss which is nice i struggle with that and so i struggle with that too i think uh, a lot
1: of women do and it's so unspoken about and it's such a hard struggle for so many of us yeah um,
0: well and then the other thing you know that goes hand in hand with that is we might have a, a show here in the new year on um PCOS, and mm-hmm. so those are some of those symptoms where there's growth and hair growth in places you don't want it, and then you're balding where you want your hair. It's super frustrating. Uh, Tulsi's really nice; it kind of helps with a lot of those things. So it's a roundabout. It's it's not really harsh for those who um, might worry about things for their stomach. Try out a little bit of it in a tea. See if it works for you. Um, in terms of growing, we talked about how they can really grow anywhere. Uh, right now it's winter. You can grow this. It's, it looks really nice and you can grow it indoors in a pot. Uh, when you go to do the seedlings, I get like a, a egg carton and, um, I'll put the, I have a lizard heating pad. If you guys know, it's like, mm. you know, I just, but they have seedling heating pads. I'm mm. sure there are probably more. But I use those, and I put it under the seedlings, and I put a little heat lamp on top of them. And you just want to make sure the soil is warm enough. You can start doing the starters inside, then plant them outside. Mm-hmm. Or you can just keep them in pots in your house and then use it that way. Uh, they don't do really well in frost. so. But you're going to want to put them. It's got four to six hours of sunlight is what it's going to need. And uh, if you do put them outside, the bees love them. I'm a big fan of the bees. You know anything you so can good put for outside? A pollinator garden. Yeah. Also. So anything that you can put outside that helps you helps the bees. Let's do it outside. It's going to grow like four to five feet tall. Inside in a pot, it's only going to grow maybe a foot tall, two feet at most. So really neat. I really like that one. Uh, whether you're working out, you're doing fitness, or you're just looking to improve yourself in the new year, put tulsi into your you know routine. I love it. Nice. Yeah. So oh,
1: I loved hearing all of that about tulsi cuz i was i was actually mentioning to paula um earlier how i see there's like a specific line of teas that i always like always see a combination of another herb and tulsi but i never really knew what it was i actually wasn't sure if it was just like the brand or something <laughs> so thank you for clearing that up now that i know holy basil same same right right um so i wanted to uh come in now and give a couple tips about writing your own workouts. So I think if this pandemic quarantine, whatever has taught us anything, it's that sometimes you need to make sure you can rely on yourself. Mm. There are too many times that I've, I've seen it on the internet all over the place. People who are so consistent in their classes or if with their trainer, but then if the gym closes, they have no idea what to do mm-hmm. and they completely lose all of that so i just wanted to give you a couple tips for writing your own workouts it's not as hard as it seems and actually it's easier than ever with instagram and yeah, with sure. you know all the youtube videos because trainers are putting content out there for you i'm one of those people mm-hmm. um My moves may not always be basic, but there are other other trainers that put beginners and things like that. So you have really endless amounts of inspiration Mm -hmm. and and just someone showing you what to do at your fingertips. So that being said, use the tools that you have to your advantage. I mean, it's one of the best things about social media and about technology is that you have information and access to it like you never had before. Mm -hmm. So... If you're not going to, you know, just look at someone else's workout, you want to start creating your own. Here are a couple tips and tricks. When you're first starting, take your foundational movements that you have gotten down and evolve those foundational movements. Okay? Take a squat, for example. This is where I become the Bubba Gump Shrimp
0: <laughs> or the Bubba
1: Gump Squat Speaker.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> you could have your regular squats. Okay, I'm going to give you 10 varieties of a squat right now, relatively all progressing. I'm not sure if they progressed perfectly when I wrote it out, but relatively all progressing from one to the next. You have your regular squats. You have a squat for time. So basically give yourself 45 seconds to a minute. See if you could squat for endurance rather than weighted with strength. Mm. You could have squat pulses. So when you pulse, their micro movements. You have time under tension which again is where you build a lot of your strength because you're never losing the activation when you're pulsing. You then have iso squats. So if you ever see the word iso, I-S-O, it means you're basically not moving but you're holding a contraction. So that's when you go into squat position and you hold that squat, that's an iso squat. Again, that's testing your endurance as well as your strength. You then have eccentric squats So when you're writing your workouts, you could change the tempo and the way that you tackle each move. So that eccentric squat we were talking about going really slow on that return or going really slow as you drop and then driving up as you, you know, contract your glutes and go into your engagement. So you could kind of play with the different parts of the move that you slow down and you pick up. You have drop squats, Paula's favorite, as you've heard. So you, I want you to think about a drop squat almost like a reverse jump. If in, a, in, in a jump squat, you're exploding up. In a drop squat, you're absorbing as if you're dropping down. So you're absorbing the impact of dropping down without actually having that jump. And I could probably put up a video if any of you guys are interested in what a drop squat is. If that's not exactly clear, send me a message. I'd be happy to send you a video. You have narrow squats, so feet are really close together. You're keeping your knees together. Paula and I worked on these today. Mm -hmm. You're not just targeting your quads, but your inner thighs as well as you're trying to maintain that engagement. Sumo squats. Think about a sumo wrestler. Feet go out wide, toes turn out, and you are hitting, again, a bit of your inner thigh there, but from a different capacity. Squat jumps. So this is where you start to get explosive. You're bringing plyometrics into it. You're adding an element of intensity so that you could progress further biggest thing with squat jumps just make sure you always land softly in your knees and then you have tuck jumps which are one of my favorite and most challenging variations kind of of this squat whole thing that we're talking about the squat progression in a squat jump you jump up but you don't bring your knees up in a tuck jump you jump, and you bring your knees to your chest while you're in the air, and then you fall back down. So I just took you through 10 different versions of just a squat. Mm. So when you're writing your workouts, when you're starting to progress, take your foundational movements and see how those could evolve, rather than trying to think of some random thing that you've never even really seen. Mm-hmm. Um, again, you could change the way that you track your workouts so you can do rep counts. You could do timed intervals. We do that often in our personal training sessions because it kind of keeps us on track. So 30 seconds on, 15 seconds off. 40 seconds on, 20 seconds off. You could work with it depending on what your rest to work ratio is for that day. A high weight, low rep. If you're trying to build muscle and build mass on your body, that's a good way to tackle it. Low weight, high reps, so that's when you have more of your endurance play. Long, lean muscles come through that. Tabata, so that's kind of just like you have a high amount of rounds, quick turnovers, and shorter intervals. So for example, 20 seconds on, 10 seconds off, no rest, boom, 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 high amount of rounds. So those are some examples of how you could track your work when you're trying to create different workouts. You could change your workout medium. Not everyone has to use dumbbells. I really, you know, kettlebells, the weight distribution is different. You could do a kettlebell curl and a dumbbell curl Mm. for your biceps, and they're going to feel different. Bringing in medicine balls, bringing in those bands so you're stabilizing. You could squat with bands, or you could squat with weights. Mm -hmm. And even though it's a similar move, you hit your stabilizing muscles a little different. Your core may be engaged more with bands associated with it versus you focusing on building muscle mass if you're just adding weight. Mm-hmm. Um, when you are ready for dynamic movements. Dynamic movements to me are essentially all of your foundational movements thrown together in different patterns. So for example, a, a, a burpee. A burpee is a very dynamic movement. Your whole body is working and coordinating together. But if you break a burpee down, you drop into a squat, you hit a plank, you hit a squat, and you either jump or you stand. Mm-hmm. So when you really break that down, all of those moves you have already mastered. So your dynamic movements are just creating a flow, essentially, between some of these foundational movements. Mm-hmm. Um, and your most important thing, or here, one more, and then I'm going to say your most important thing. Back in the day, when you were planning workouts, a lot of the personal trainers were bodybuilders. They were the original personal trainers. They were focusing on building muscle mass, hypertrophy, you know, kind of that bodybuilding mindset. In that regard, having your split days like, okay, today I'm just gonna train triceps and chest. I'm just gonna train biceps and bi. Every week, day in and day out, I'm gonna isolate these muscles. Yes, it's good to incorporate that because If this is a journey, you're going to be on it for a long time and you want to always keep your body guessing. But don't feel like that has to be the way your week always lays out. Mm -hmm. These days, you have a lot of total body days. You have a lot of trainers who teach total body moves, who teach mobility days, who slow things down so that you could do body work in a different capacity. Mm -hmm. So don't think it always just has to be that standard split a lot of us have, have grown accustomed to.
0: Especially if you're at a job where you're sitting all day long And then the only exercise you get is lifting heavy weights. You're going to be tight and Mm -hmm. stiff. And you're, you know, get into some yoga. Lengthen those muscles, those tendons, everything. You know, a couple times a week. It's going to actually help you perform better.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's I always go back to this. It's the Libra meme, but it's all about the balance. Mm -hmm. You have to have days where you're explosive. You have to have days where you move slow. You should have days where you work on mobility. You should have days where... You go really heavy if you're if you've gotten to that point, you know. So exactly what Paul is talking about. Think about how your day looks on a regular basis and how you could help your body. Mm. And the final thing, the most important thing about when you're creating your workouts, and it always comes back to this, is meet your body where you are today, not creating a workout of where you want to be, you know, ten weeks from now with the moves that you think you could do meet yourself where you are today so that in 10 weeks you could create that more dynamic workout Mm. you know only move as fast as can be controlled and progress mindfully i mean it always it always comes back to these same themes that not only work in the gym but also in the rest of your life so those are just some tips for writing your own workouts nice
0: yeah (laughs) thanks yeah as soon as you started talking about squats i was thinking bands and squats that's fun but you know, as we get older and for those that aren't really thinking of this, you know, when I was in college, I actually worked in nursing homes cause it was flexible hours and it made me think a lot of like, wow, when I'm 80 years old, I want to be able to get off of the toilet or I, you know, and all of those things like the planks and the stabilizing muscles when you're using bands that are going to be so crucial in the mm-hmm. long run that aren't those superficial things. But you know what? those superficial aspects aren't going to last forever when you're 80 you're going to want the stabilizing muscles Mm
1: -hmm. yes absolutely absolutely
0: well in that realm of protection because that's what stabilizing muscles do yes we're going to jump into yarrow
1: oh so i love yarrow it's such a beautiful yeah beautiful plant
0: yeah um yarrow is great uh There's some really neat podcasts out there, one that I've listened to for quite a while that Danielle started listening to, which is Herbal Witchery, and Mm -hmm. she's great. She has a fantastic episode on yarrow that goes more into the history of it. Um, She's got some poems and some other really cool stuff, so if you're interested in yarrow and that historical aspect, uh, some neat things to check out with her podcast.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So going into the herbal energetics of yarrow, it's cooling... Drying, Um, another one where when we talk about cooling, it's talking about the mind more than anything, kind of that calming. uh, Drying, it's going to have a slight drying effect in uh, like a diuretic type of form. I really like yarrow. When we first got our property, it's the first time ever we were able to build from the ground up. And so the first thing I did was plant yarrow around the entire perimeter of our property. Hmm um not only is it deer resistant so because it's a bitter herb deer normally don't eat it yes so nobody told the deer around my house for some reason because apparently somebody's snacking on the yard like the
1: deer in southern oregon just eat anything. aren't very picky
0: right um but it's also uh thought of for thousands of years as a symbol of protection protection in the way of barriers so if you mm. might have a little bit of an issue uh, you know, saying no to things or creating those barriers or needing a little bit of that protection. I literally put it around the entire perimeter of my property for that reason. Oh, Just love something. That. Uh, it's been used for thousands, I mean, thousands and thousands of years. There were some studies done, or not studies, but some research and some findings that happened. In, uh, they found yarrow almost 60,000 years ago from a cave. They didn't find it 60,000 years ago, sorry. They exhumed, you know, right. remains. And uh, found Yarrow on the burial sites. So even back then, they knew the importance of this and the protection and in sp- linked to the body and the mind and spiritually and would use it um, at burial sites, which is really interesting I love, and kind I mean, of
1: neat. Yeah. I mean, if that doesn't make you like if something has been used for 60,000 years, it's right. been used for 60,000 years for a reason. Right. Yeah. <laughs> which is absolutely. incredible.
0: Yeah. Um, they enjoy full sun. You usually see them uh, in fields in the summer. So what they really look like is it's kind of a, a long stocked flower. And at the top, it's got this kind of tuft, or maybe not tuft's a good wear, but it's got a bunch of little mini flowers all mm-hmm. along the top of it. It's flat, so it's got these white little flowers on the top, big kind of um, topping to it. And they just look great. They use them in bouquets um and actually the chinese thought of yarrow as a way to balance yin and yang so mm. that's another probably why here uh they're used sometimes in bouquets and other things like that there's some other really interesting things that in uh herbal witchery that they'll talk about with love and longevity of relationships with yarrow which is really neat but I like it because the bees like it. You know, I'm going to plant anything that is probably deer resistant, bees like it, and then I can use in my teas and my tinctures and all of those things. Um, it is an, in, it's sweat inducing. So if you're looking to kind of detox some of those things out of your body, that's something where it's going to warm up your body a little bit. It's going to make you sweat um, stimulates wound healing, and so it's recommended mm-hmm. sometimes to drink yarrow and tea for uh, you know, a few days while the wound heals, especially if you have issues with uh, wounds healing quickly. Really great for insect repellent. So um, if you have some of that, you can just rub it on your skin. Make sure you actually know that it's yarrow if you find it in the wild and you're not rubbing some kind of other herb um, or flower onto you. But it uh, repels mosquitoes, so if you're camping out there and you want to get a little wilderness medicine and and things, use some of that. So are you rubbing the leaves or the flowers? Yeah, the flower. Oh, nice. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, you can use, speaking of that, you can use the entire plant for all types of things. Um,
1: Yeah, so I have a plant in my backyard.
0: Mm -hmm. I
1: planted it more for deer resistance before I knew that it was associated with so much plant magic and plant medicine right right so me going into it I feel like you're just about to yeah maybe talk about some things how would I you know how would I harvest it and you were talking about that you could use the whole plant and you know like drying it like what do you what do I do
0: so um yeah actually I was going to go right into that so medicinally you can use the tops of the plant which is more of the floral flower portion of it because it's got a bunch of mini little flowers um and you can use those to make like oils, tinctures, you know, teas, those types of things. The leaves are going to have the tannins, so they're mm. not as palatable, but they have a lot of benefits. And then when you go into um kind of the fall, it's been used, the roots have been used for like toothache, so if you're chewing or if you have it on, you know, like I said, it's more of that wilderness medicine if mm-hmm. you're out there and you really want to test mm-hmm. some of those things, that's something um you can look into. Because the roots help with like l- the local pain, oh, okay. um, of like a toothache or something that might happen. Uh because it's got all of those great properties we talk about all the time: anti-inflammatory. It mm-hmm. can be used as an antiseptic. Talked about induces sweating. And then it also helps circulate the blood. So like I mentioned before, the energetics of like warming the body up. Mm-hmm. Um this is the same reason why sometimes herbs don't work well for some people because if they're a really hot, warm person, maybe it's not their favorite herb to use.
1: Yeah. These ones know in know particular. <laughs> right?
0: These ones in particular aren't very harsh. That's why I mentioned them. There's some that you like you really wouldn't. Um, go into and mention for just everyday kind of use or something to kind of test out and look into
1: so not that I'm necessarily having yarrow daily but it would be okay to have you mentioned and I'm sorry I guess I'm just reiterating this is an herb that's okay for a more regular basis
0: yeah so not in the way of like milk thistle where milk thistle is pretty safe using it daily for long periods of time I would recommend, because it is medicinal, if you're using it for a week, use it for a week because there's a specific thing that you're trying to, like wound healing or Mm -hmm. whatever it might be, and you're trying to aid in that. Don't just do it because you heard the podcast, you heard it was good for you, you're going to roll the dice and see what happens if you drink it for a year. Right. You know what I mean? Like Have something in mind as to why you're doing it. And also, if you really start looking into some of these herbs and you're using some of them, Write things down in the journal, in Mm -hmm. a journal or something where, okay, today I took some yarrow, I'm feeling warmer, I'm sweating, um, you know, whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, this particular thing maybe upset somebody's stomach, or, you know, because everybody is just a little differently. You know, I would definitely recommend, you know, reaching out to someone like myself or someone who knows more about those things if you're looking to start incorporating things daily but you're not exactly sure why you should or mm-hmm. which ones you should. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm always available face facegram, <laughs> Instagram, <laughs> Facebook, you know, reach out to me. I love hearing from everybody and uh the questions and things that people have. And I really like the idea of it's balancing those opposing forces like I mentioned before, yin and yang. And so in in terms of emotionally uh when we talk about cooling the mind and some of those things, it's kind of going to just balance out the emotional state of a person. Mm -hmm. So if there's someone who, you know, maybe it might make them sweat a little bit more, but that's not a big deal because it's gonna help balance in the mind or emotions or whatever it might be. Especially now, we're coming into a new year, things might be hectic for some people. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, something to just look look at. And also from a, a medical or medicinal standpoint, uh helps with UTIs. So this is one where it's it's a tricky thing. You don't want to have to go to the doctor and take, well, some people don't at least, a bunch of antibiotics for something as what they call simple, mm-hmm. quote-unquote, as a UTI. So then if you have that issue, you can drink some yarrow for a little bit and see if that might help. Um, it's because it has that, that drying effect, that diuretic effect, and so it's going to be able to move that through the body quicker, mm-hmm. which is really nice. Um, but, like I said, it's not a long term daily thing. Use it when you have a reason to use it, and it's fine. You know, people have used it in cold and flu remedies. You're not taking cold and flu remedies year round. Mm hmm. True. Um, the other thing to just consider is that by taking this long term, it also increases the lithium in your body. So, due to the fact that um, when you're drinking it, it stops your body's ability of getting lithium out of it Uh, and long-term lithium can, large amounts of it in the body can potentially affect your thyroid. So if you Mm -hmm. already have like a goiter or some kind of thyroid issue, just double check, make sure, you know, maybe it's not the one you use in your flu and tea, you know, flu and cold, whatever it might be, medicine because you also have a thyroid issue. That's where the energetics come in. That's where you really look at your body. You look at what the herb does. You look at the condition and all three together, then you make that decision. Mm. So just a holistic approach. Right, yes. exactly. Yep. So, yeah, I really like that one. Like I said, it's all around my property. Um, I really just enjoy having it. And it's so easy. It just grows wild. You mm-hmm. know, It's not something where it's I have to tend to it often which is really nice, Um, so... And again, aesthetically pleasing,
1: magical, medicinal. Right. I mean, it's a powerhouse plant.
0: Yeah, and it's really found everywhere at this point, so it's
1: nice, yeah. And there are a lot of, like, different colors and stuff, too, so you don't have to just look for a white yarrow, right? Like, I believe I have yellow yarrow, but is that a different species? Like, would some of them not be as uh, easily accessible for ingestion or...
0: So that's, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, I would recommend using the white. Traditionally, what I've found is the ones that are yellow or pink are used for like horticultural kind of more display than they are for medicinal uses. Got it. Uh-huh. Um, They've been bred in a certain way to make them pink or yellow mm-hmm. instead of just the natural white.
1: All right. Well, we're planning our garden right now, so that... It's good to know. That's something I'm going to keep in mind because we're going to be throwing some of these herbs in. So yeah. sweet. Okay. Mm-hmm. Good to know. Okay. Yeah. Um, so the last little maybe tidbit I have for everyone, going into this new year, going into this year in which gyms keep closing off and on. Um, we talked about um, how you may have to do stuff at home, especially now that we're in the winter in a lot of places, going outside to a park or, or to take you know a big hike or something may not be quite as accessible so you may be having to get creative inside your home now in our first episode i hit on a couple of things for example you could use a dowel or a a broomstick or something with laundry detergent on the end as a bar as a um as a barbell but i have some a couple of other things so Uh, Paula has been able to utilize this a lot in my gym because of the space I have available to me. I don't want to bring a lot of big equipment in. I'm not even a big fan of machines, but I don't, I like cable machines, but I don't want to bring that into the space that I have because I want to keep it open. So instead of cable machines, your long resistance bands are almost on par with the cable machine. I mean, there are some bands that have a lot of resistance to them. Mm -hmm. Um, you could anchor it around a door. You could anchor it around a tree. I mean, anywhere that you could find just a steady and reliable place to anchor your band. Basically, you could do all of those cable moves that you did in the gym with these long bands, um, which I think are really great. And, you know, you could get creative. Let's say that band, maybe maybe you're you're used to heavy loads. If you have a couple of light dumbbells at home that aren't quite reaching the load that you're looking for then you could add you could hold the long bands kind of with your dumbbells i mean takes a little coordination and you could have that extra load while you're having the standard traditional dumbbell weight
0: and they go up to what 25 pounds i think in resistance right
1: yeah i think they may even be able to go higher than that i mean some of them feel really tough to me (laughs) um I mentioned it in the first episode, but anchoring a towel or a scarf or something as a suspension trainer around a door, just make sure you make that knot and you lock the door. So if you're anchoring something to the other side of the door, mm-hmm. make sure you lock it so that it doesn't open up on you. You don't fall back. There's no need to risk injury. Great. Um, you could also use a hammock. I've been camping so many times and used a hammock as mm-hmm. a suspension trainer. Mm-hmm. I was just in North Carolina for Thanksgiving and I used a swing as a suspension trainer. So if you have swings in your background, you have a playground for your kids, see what you could use with that. I mean, that is the original, it's a jungle gym, right? (laughs) Um, If you're living in Southern Oregon or places where you have, you know, a lot of logs around you. If you look in my gym right now, I've used logs that are pretty... uh, Flat, so so in that regard, they you know they're stable surface for step ups, for incline push ups, mm. um even as kind of like a box jump, I've used them for that as well. So you could go around to the natural world and see what you have available to you. That a rock is weight, mm-hmm. you know, a a log is weight. I mean, you don't need fancy equipment. It, you just don't. Um. And,
0: oh, sorry to interrupt, it's okay. but in that thought. If you are looking to invest in a piece of workout equipment for the new year, I would highly recommend just getting the TRX. It's like a little over a hundred bucks mm-hmm. and you can bring it indoors, outdoors, all of these things that Danielle's talking about. Um, you know, oh go God. on a hike and at the top of the hike, hook it up to a tree and you can do a full body workout with that thing. And it's so versatile. So if you're going to spend your money, spend it wisely. Yes.
1: Yes, there are lots of things, you know, um, you see them on Instagram and, and some of them, some of them are unnecessary. I don't know why they invented them, but a lot of things are these alternatives to being in a gym are these alternatives to big heavy equipment. When I was living in the van, I couldn't carry that much equipment that TRX I'd hook it up to the van. I'd hook it up everywhere that we traveled to. It fits in a suitcase. I mean, thank you for bringing that up because it is a very, very good tool to have. Um, use your furniture use a chair as a bench I mean punch the shit out of some pillows Mm -hmm. socks or towels can work in place of gliders if you have like a nice smooth surface a heavy backpack. You put stuff in a backpack. I mean, remember when you were a kid and you'd be hunched over from your heavy backpack? <laughs> yeah. Turn it into weight that you could use. You could do a kettlebell swing with a backpack. Mm-hmm. You could use it as a weighted vest if you put it on. Right. Like, there's so many things that you could do. A sandbag, almost, of sorts. Um, I mentioned uh, creating resistance with bands and with, like, a barbell or with a dowel to add a little bit more. Um, And I just wanted to say, you know, if you have a long hallway, use it for lateral shuffles. Use it for walking lunges. If you don't have equipment and you don't have a gym, then your body is your gym. Your body is your equipment. Your home is your sanctuary. You don't need that much space. You don't need anything fancy. Creating a gym environment isn't about fancy equipment. Mm -hmm. If there's a hill around you, you have an inclined treadmill. If you have a playground near you, you have suspension training or you have barbells that you could practice pull-ups with, Um, you know, let your body and your will and your creativity get you the success that you want. You have to, especially in a world like this. We never thought that there would be a pandemic that would shut everything down. Right. I mean, probably the last thing on our minds. Mm -hmm. So... Use this as an opportunity, again, an opportunity of growth. Your gym is anywhere you decide it to be.
0: And if you're one of our listeners out there and you're like, okay, great, that sounds awesome. But I'm just going to sit here because I don't have the motivation I don't know what y'all are talking about. Like, um, and I'm in that boat. Like I just got out of a workout with Danielle and she's sitting here talking about this. It is tiring. (laughs) So look at the energetics of herbs and say, okay, if I'm, if you're really just sitting there, you cannot get the motivation to get up and do this because it's in your house and you're like, ah, I can't do it right now. Start off your day with something that is hot, that is warming, that's going to get you up. It's going to get you fired up um like cayenne even if you do like a cayenne tincture or you put a little cayenne in your eggs and some pepper something with capsaicin in it in your eggs in the morning it's going to do that little bit of warming your body up getting you more energized giving you that little tiny boost probably more than coffee to just get up and do what we're talking about doing
1: Yeah, and if you just get it done, then it's done. Yeah. And you don't need to do it for an hour. Work hard for 20 minutes. Right. 20 minutes. That's all you need. It's
0: about moving. It's
1: about moving. Remember, your gym is anywhere you decide it to be, anywhere you decide to move.
0: So if you're like me and you take some of this advice that Daniel has and you hurt yourself uh, (laughs) with your backpack or you forget to put the lid on the soap, container and then you get up and you slip and you fall and it's like the three (laughs) stooges at your house and you need something for anti-inflammatory once again (laughs) plantain is a fantastic herb bring it
1: all full circle let's hear about that plantain
0: um and not to be confused with the banana like fruit that's my favorite way to adjust plantain i love plantain. the cuban in me i love it um but this is an herb and actually in the pacific northwest and all over the world this is another common one that you're most likely going to see. It's got these leaves on the bottom, very f- flat to the ground almost, and as the base. And then it has this floral kind of spike that comes up with all the little flowers on the, on the spike. Um, and there's the broad leaf and the narrow leaf. It's actually really uh, easy to recognize. You'll see it all over the Pacific Northwest when you're hiking and other things. And so I really like it because it's another one that just easily grows. So you don't even have to worry about it. It's a lawn herb. You can find it growing. Half mm. the time people rip it out of their lawn. But it's mm. so great. Um, it's a mild. It has a mild cooling effect in terms of the energetics of it. It's moist. Um, but it also is a little drying in terms of like drying out some of the toxins from the body. So just some things to think about when we're talking about uh, energetics. And uh, it's a really great one to protect your liver. Uh, It's also, there have been some studies done that show that drinking this in a tea can prevent tumors. So Mm. something to look at. And um, for those that might have issues with their stomach, it's an anti-ulcerative. Like So if you have ulcers or if you have irritation, you have high acid, things Mm. like that. Um, I forgot to mention this before, but yarrow sometimes can cause more acidity in the body and in the stomach. So... Uh, just something, maybe, you know, balancing it out and putting a little plantain in something. Yeah, uh, complementing. Right. So uh, it's a diuretic. It uh, can help with low blood pressure or coughs. So this time of year uh, with cold and flu sometimes. And when you're talking about putting it in into tea, which is the most most often how I usually ingest uh, a lot of these herbs. It's just easier for me to mm-hmm. put it into a tea. Uh, And, you know, not making any special kind of thing with it. It helps um, to regulate your your BMs, your bowel movements, which is nice, I guess, for some that need that help. Uh, But in that regard, it also helps with like IBS and stuff. So it's not going to be super harsh. Uh, Another one that helps with UTIs. So if you've got these little things where you're like, I'm definitely, definitely with uh, COVID not going to the doctor right now Mm -hmm. for something as small as a UTI. Yeah. Try some plantain tea. It's been known to help. Uh, Anything where you think there's like a hot inflamed issue. This is where plantain is going to come in because it's a little more cooling. Um, So it helps with skin inflammation insect bites, things like that. And like I mentioned there's kind of two different types. you'll see the ones with the big giant broader leaves, and then ones with skinny little leaves that are narrow leafed at the base with still that that floral spike in the middle, great uh, source of vitamin C, great source of vitamin A, calcium. Um, <clears throat> now one of the interesting things when we talk about like wilderness medicine, And if you want to be kind of a little bit of a badass, if you (laughs) get always right, if you get bug bites or maybe a snake bite or some of those things, you can take uh, this and it works really well with your own spit. So you you get some of the plantain uh, leaf and you chew it up. It really if you're out in the wilderness here, you should really find it anywhere. You'll see it and you chew it up really good until so the leaf is mixing with your spit really well and then you put it on that bite or wound or whatever that is and it's actually going to help draw out the poisons and the pus Mm. and things uh inside of that so if you've got some kind of you know skin irritant that's happening and you see that it's getting worse you know try some of that and and see how that works. Oh, I think sweet. that's really great. I love wilderness medicine for that because it's like using what you have where you are, mm-hmm. and it turns something in, that could potentially be more of an emergency if it's ignored, right, into something Especially that, in that easily, environment. right, easily goes away.
1: Yeah. Oh, so, cool.
0: Yeah, I, I really like it. It's it's a good one for me. Uh, I use it often. Another one that I find growing on my property. Uh, and also balancing of energies, which is nice. You know, this kind of theme that comes into the new year and into uh, what we're doing. We don't want to be trying to improve our wellness and then throwing ourselves out of whack.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Did you... I have a couple of books you wanted to suggest possibly that could help people out with some of this stuff because right. I'm always looking for yeah. a little book recommendation.
0: Yeah, definitely. So, um, you know, there's some really great... I don't have the book here. There's a wilderness medicine guide. I'll have to put it online uh, for everybody that I really enjoy. Um, another one that I like is great for beginners when you talk about herbal medicine. This was put out by the people who um, created the... Uh, Herbalist lesson that I went through or teachings that I went through. Mm-hmm. And so they created this nice book, Herbal Medicine for Beginners. And then it talks about just a few. It's like 35 different medical herbs, uh, which is a nice one. And it talks about ways to really...
1: Oh, you turned to plantain.
0: <laughs> oh, weird. You turn but yeah, I'm flipping through. It's got all kinds of different ways to to not only um, use the herb, but then to incorporate it with maybe a few others, which is really nice. Lots of nice pictures. Uh, and it's in a concise, short format where you're not learning, you know, you're not looking at a bunch and a bunch. Um, now on the flip side of that, if you want the 550 herbs... That's the one I first bought. It was. It's a little overwhelming. Right. This is the Encyclopedia of Herbal Medicine, which I enjoy. It has some good pictures, really great information about the history of herbalism. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot, a lot of ways to use herbs in different fashions. Uh, Something to look at if you're getting started and you wanna see uh, if it's something for you because some of those courses when you go to become an herbalist can be pretty spendy. And so researching something further saying, okay, I, I like this, I would like to do this, let's get that done. Um, and then one more that I have is uh, and you don't necessarily have to get this book in particular, but The Foodscape Revolution, uh, Brie Arthur is the is the author on this one. And I like this because just like when we talked about plantain, Yarrow, and those others, it can you can easily incorporate these things for herbs into a very nice looking garden. And so she has a really good book where she lays out what she did in her house and on her property to grow tons of vegetables and all kinds of um, earth flowers that she could then use. And I think it's just great to look at things in the foodscape kind of mindset where, you know, we're in winter right now, but we're going to quickly come into spring. And it's a nice one to just plan out what you'll be doing. Yeah. So, yeah, I
1: like those. Those are great. Well, you know, I think we're coming to a close here. We had a lot of suggestions for you, a lot of ways to set yourself up, uh, at least in regards to these two um, these two ideas or these two concepts, fitness, herbalism, your wellness. Um, and I think that the last thing, and we both agree on this one as well, is just because it's the new year doesn't mean you need to try everything all at the same time or eliminate everything all at the same time or change your entire life all at the same time. Mm -hmm. You know, um, this is kind of extreme and, and definitely not in regards to like our wellness, but if you are a chronic smoker who also has a lot of drinks on a regular basis, who also eats relatively unhealthy on a regular basis, if you try to... Quit drinking cold turkey, quit smoking cold turkey, and eliminate things from your diet. You're never going to be able to last. Mm -hmm. Take these things, you know, maybe you could group certain things together. Maybe you realize you smoke during, uh, when you're drinking socially. So maybe you could tackle things in that regard, kind of group them together. But don't try to take on too much because you're just, you don't want to set yourself up for failure to where at the end of the day, you feel badly about it. Mm -hmm. you know set yourself up so that you could actually achieve one goal at a time you could see that progress you could feel that progress but you're not overwhelmed by the process and i think that is going to keep you successful in the long run instead of like burning out by the end of january because it's just you try to change too much of your life
0: right it's just like when you look at herbalism you're picking one herb a month you're going through, you're learning how to create different remedies, tinctures, whatever it might be, how it works in your body, how it may work with others. And, you know, it's slow and steady really wins the race. Mm-hmm. You cannot push through something and, um, yeah, just take it one day at a time.
1: Honor where you are and earn where you're going to be, essentially. Nice. And that will, uh, I know, I just thought of that. <laughs> Didn't even have it written down. Um, but yeah, my friends, I hope that that kind of helps set you off onto a good start. And just remember, you can listen to this at any point of the year and have a fresh start. Does not have to be January 1st that everything magically changes, but feel gratitude for, for where you were, where you're going to be, feel your abundance and whatever you have going on in your life. And, um, just keep on
0: yeah cheers to the new year
1: cheers to the new year right we now we're just cheersing with tea right we haven't gotten that delicious cocktail recipe from you guys yet <laughs> <laughs> but have a most beautiful day peace and love to you all and we will see you for our next episode
0: Bye guys. and just as a reminder any ideas or topics discussed during this podcast Should not be a replacement for any type of medical advice. Although Danielle is a certified trainer, and I have a knowledge of herbal medicine, any decision to incorporate an exercise or herbal remedy is always your own.